0: what up snapback fam welcome back to another episode of the snapback sports pod i told you guys we would churn out content and that's exactly what we're doing make sure to rate this five stars make sure to leave a review make sure to subscribe to the pod there's nothing better to do the coronavirus has this all inside but what we talked about in this episode well we got to talk to the white mamba brian scalabrini we covered all things how he's handling the coronavirus how the nba is shaping up if it does come back this season Insights on the game. It really was one of our best, if not the best conversation we've ever had on the podcast. I'm super pumped for you guys to listen to it. So let's get it. Blue Liar.
1: The Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson. I'm a Rave, own, all, all year, every year. Jackson Jackson himself. Oh, he broke his ankle. For the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. Brian, put the jumper. He oh, goes five, and the Lakers lead. Mamba,
0: out. what's going on, everyone? We are super excited to welcome Brian Scalabrine, the White Mamba, to the Snapback Sports Pod. Scal,
1: what's going on, man? Man, just trying to survive during this quarantine. I'm a guy with three children, and I'm just, so far, so good. Been keeping them busy every single day. You know, I've been doing stuff around the house. I have this, like, huge laundry list of things that I never get to do, but I always have it on my list. I'm I'm knocking it out, man. I don't know what I'm going to do when I uh, accomplish all those other things (laughs) that I need to do now that I have a little bit of time because the NBA season has been uh, postponed.
2: Yeah, right. So about that. So Jack and I, we had an episode that we dropped today. It was our first episode since like sports kind of shut down as a whole. Jack and I are really struggling because (laughs) we're going out of our minds, have no idea what to do. I almost read a book. And I mean, you haven't listened to the podcast before, but you know, that's not that's not much. That's not my thing.
1: Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold on here. I I missed the one operative word there. You said I almost (laughs) wrote or read. No, no, read. Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa.
0: <laughs> I should write a book. What well, would your book even be? Re- well,
2: Do maybe you, think you should read would let one you first. write his uh, his biography. Nah, you wouldn't want
1: that. I'll just be honest. I mean, what are you the foremost expert in? Sports. You're, that's the, why, that's you're what... the most expert. Like I think I feel like I feel like I'm the greatest fifteenth man ever. There's no better fifteenth. man a Okay, good so point. <laughs> That's I think, kinda like I, my I mentality. Yeah. I could write a book. Like if you want to know what it's like to be the fifteenth man that somehow hangs on for years and years and years, because most fifteenth men are in and out. i, I hung yeah. on forever. So that's literally my if you wanna dream. know about I'm like <laughs> who'd be the go to fifteenth men. I would much rather be the go to fifteenth man than the go to tenth man. That's true.
0: Is there anyone else in the conversation for go to fifteenth man or end Ooh. of bench guys? Like like Mark Matt
1: Mark Matt, see. He's not the mama though he's not the white mama no, there's probably not if you if you Stinted out on the social platforms, sure that I would win the vote of best fifteenth man. So therefore, do that. I could probably write a book. But
2: anyways, yeah, but anyway, I can't point. write a book. But what I wanted to say was, so I started getting crazy thoughts because Jack and I obsess over sports. We're posting on, on on Snapback every single day, and I mean, you're you're still in the sports world, so we just want to know how you're holding up with this
1: whole situation because it's tough. Sports are our lives. No, great. I'm not. It's not. It's not a struggle for me at all. Wow. Like I'm just I'm like you guys gotta understand like I told you like I I'm building a table right now I'm uh, <laughs> you know I, by the way I'm not trying to take advantage of the situation but I don't know if you guys are familiar with this like the feds cut the rates when you're like yeah. guy like mm-hmm. me, you refinance your house so that's yeah. not easy to do you know like those are the type of things that I do. When stuff like this happens, I, like I said, I'm a guy that has a big list of things. I have a tractor in my backyard. I've been doing that. I've been burning wood, you know, brush piles and stuff like that. I've been hitting my daughter who is into sports. Like, I haven't spent nearly as much time with her as I need to. We've been throwing the ball back and forth off the kickback. We've been working on ball handling drills. Like, <laughs> there's nothing to do but hang out with my family. And, uh, I, I, I listen, you got you guys got me on date. Day four, but yeah. if this was day forty, maybe it'd be a little bit different. But no, man, four days later, I'm all for the positive attitude. I'm all. No, so I've got it. Life right now.
2: So what I'm taking out of this is that I should have a kid. No, no. <laughs> That's the only way have to something get something through. Do
1: you like? What do you like outside of sport? You know, like sports is my life, but it's not like my hobby. I have hobbies, but what do you guys have? This I'm is kidding, diving like, when deep I was on age. Abe. I was, this I is was diving.
0: Eve's like rethinking himself as a human being right now. I don't know. This no. like it's therapy not get too crazy. Let's not get too crazy. We're still
2: we're still finding no, ways. We're watching him.
0: What, what would you say is like a passion of yours? I love music.
1: I'm a big music guy. So listen to a lot of music, actually. What about this? I'll challenge you guys with this. Why don't you call five people that you need to touch base with that you should yeah. have that you haven't? Hundred percent. That's like, that goes so far in your life, and you never know. And you're just like, you know what, man? This is a time for all this. We all exhaled a little bit. I realized that you're the type of person I want to say hello to. Bam. There you go. For sure.
2: There you go. The, our, our audience, we consider them the Snapback family. So, Snapback fam, everyone give five people you haven't talked to a call this week. Just reach out because
1: why not? Why not? You you guys know of the, uh, the agent Arn Tellum? Go on. He, he's out. He's his name is Arn Tellum. He used to be the uh, agent for WMG. Now he's the chairman for the Pistons. He runs the Pistons business department. Anyways, he reached out to me uh, two days ago and he would just say, right, you know what? I never get a chance to do this. I just want to say hello, Let's just check in how you're doing. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing that, man. Brought out the Rolodex, bam, Call people. Listen, you can be out and about giving this disease to people or giving this virus to people. Why don't we just reach out and, and do it over the phone? No one can get sick and it's a good, a good chance to catch up. My point is there's a million things that you guys can do. Just find out what you want to do.
0: I like it. I think well, it's great said. advice. I am gonna. I did prep Scout before. I told him we do have a younger audience, so I'm gonna explain to everyone what a Rolodex is. It's like, <laughs> it's like in your iPhone. It's like your contact list. So just to be clear, <laughs> don't go searching. I actually a don't have a Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, call call the people you love. Call your friends and family. That is good advice. We are keeping ourselves occupied. But when sports do return, you are going to be playing in the big three. What's that experience bit? Because
1: are you the GOAT of the big three yet? Oh. I don't know if you can make that claim. No, no, no. You know what's really difficult? Like, I'm if, if the game of basketball was played, like, 8 on 8, 9 on 9, 10 on 10, I'd probably be, be good enough to play in the NBA. But to, every time you remove a player, it more becomes about skill, physicality. Every time you add a player, you know, it, it becomes more about feel, you know like uh, like playing with with your within your teammates or you know Im- improving guys around you my whole thing as an nba player was facing timing recognizing my strengths and weaknesses playing off of guys and i, I and i like totally knew who i was as a player i never had like these false ideas of who i was so Victory has been tough because a lot of times you're mono mono on an island, or offensively you got the ball and there's like there's no action that you can run, no driving closeouts, there's no dribble handoff to move it. Which those are things that I really do benefit from. So big three has been really really uh, tough for me. It's more about I gotta find ways to impact winning, and it's like from day in and day out, it's not easy. So I've noticed so you've been you know, you've been away from the league since
2: 2011. Yeah, 11, 12. So what have you been doing since then, like to be able, cause you're still competing against former athletes and guys that are sure. still in tremendous shape. So what are you doing to stay ready for big three? So
1: throughout the season, I play, I, I work out a ton, like um, during the NBA season. So you guys know, I, I call the Celtic mm. games, right? I'm the, like Tommy Heisen does the home games. I do the road games, but I'm there every 82 games. I'm always traveling, doing all that stuff. Um, so outside of that, uh, I work out a ton, but right right now, well, I guess it would be right around April. The Celtics bring players in to work out to get them to, to decide who they're going to uh, draft that year. So I always come in and get in those workouts. They can't work out with current Celtic players, so they need guys. They're only allowed to have six guys on the court, so they need to fill you know the four guys out there. So. Like, I'd wake up, you know, do some type of workout. Do uh, I also have like a daily podcast on radio.com? You guys might be able check to check it see out it back there. Check it so out. I'm familiar um, with it. No, definitely when shout I'm done it with out that, so people can you know, find it. And, and when I'm done with that, um, I head over to the Boston Celtics training facility and I go through pre draft workouts with guys that are like coming into college, guys that the Celtics might draft, young, 21. Mm-hmm. There's no harder playing guys in the league than playing against the 21 year old who is trying to make the NBA team I have a blast doing it but once again most of the time playing five on five
0: right do they and what's the skill level difference like are you competing with these guys or are they noticeably better or worse than
1: you yeah noticeably more skilled obviously younger probably more athletic but um, it's hit and miss like sometimes the feel for the game the guys who are gonna be drafted, feel for the game is high. The guys who are testing the waters and probably are not going to make the NBA, their feel for the game is down. And it's a noticeable difference. Like how many guys just don't know how to play basketball within the team confines. But then I went to a workout and um, it was like the Carsten Edwards workout was there. Um, Nasir Little was there. And that, that basketball IQ was so not only younger, Stronger, faster, more skilled, and basketball IQ was like right on the same level as me. It was like I, I I didn't belong out there. So it kinda it's kinda hit and miss. So with the guys
2: nowadays, you're saying you're playing with these guys, you, there's a noticeable difference from from where you are now. But your game in particular is one that let's say you were in your prime around right now, kind of fits
1: perfect for today's NBA in a way. Yeah, I'm not sure about that though, because <laughs> no, let me let me explain. When I was a player and I could shoot the three and I could like defend my position, it was kind of like a cool thing for a coach to use. I, you know what? We could Gallabrini, you could stretch the floor out. We could run some different offenses. Maybe, you know, like um, when I played with the Celtics, maybe Rondo needs a little bit more space. It's odd to have Kendrick Perkins and Rondo on the floor at the same time because there's two non-shooters, right? So it worked. Guess what? There's five guys on every on every team that is bigger, longer, more athletic and could shoot the three like i do now you we can argue there's no like for sure listen his feel is better than his feel and we can argue that one so some days i'm like yeah the lack of feel would hurt that guy but i could play it in today's game and then other times i'm like no if i can so i think my era was good for me i was kind of an anomaly now i'm just one of probably 200, 300 guys that is is six foot nine or above that can shoot the 3. Feels like anyone will bring in anyone from that can just shoot and play,
2: shoot the 3 and play defense because that's... No doubt. With, with all these analytic guys nowadays, that's where the game's headed and it's just so much different from when, when you were in the league and what Jack and I really grew up with.
1: Yeah, so, I, and I don't, I don't know if that's changing either because offensively it does seem to be the most efficient. As long as people understand that it's about spacing and that gives you the best chance of getting layups, that's why you have 3-point shooting. It's not to jack up 3s, it's right. to actually get layups
0: so you've only been out of the league for under 10 years but it sounds like you think there's been a massive jump in athleticism and skill level in that time period is that true is that kind of yeah. how you feel
1: yeah That's because I think um, like how old are you guys right now you're 20 23, 24 23. 24 like um you know there's eight-year-olds nine-year-old 10 year olds to have personal trainers you know like yeah. I, I, I played seven aau games growing up I didn't have an aau team I just jumped on with the team for the summer in the state of Washington. There were three AAU teams on the entire in the entire state, so I was very lucky to make one of those teams. So just think about like there's three AAU teams in the town I live in. There might be 30 AAU teams in the town that I live in. Like back in the day, it was it was not a big deal. There weren't club teams everywhere, so we weren't getting the practice time that these kids are. We weren't getting the individual workouts that these kids are. We weren't watching YouTube and watching James Harden or anything like that. We turned on the NBA on NBC. We watched Michael Jordan on, on the weekends. We'd go to the park. We try to emulate that. So the information is out there. The skill level is is out there to to get and watch and change the game. Look at Steph Curry. Like look how much he changed the game coming into the league and everyone like once he came in the league shooting all those threes now. What do you think other players are going to do? Well, if he can do it, I can do it, too. And if he can work on it, I can work on it, too. So it's a very, very different way of growing up. I will say I think the guys aren't as competitive nowadays. Like, I did grow up in a in a world where you played at the park. If you lost, you had to sit for, like, you know, uh, five yeah. games, six games. Yeah. You didn't want to lose. So it was like that park game was the most competitive thing I ever had to go through. Nowadays, like, the game's over. You win, you lose, whatever. Shake hands, you move on. So I I think it's a very different mindset. But as far as athleticism and skill, there is no question that this generation is so far superior to anything we've ever seen before.
0: Why do you think that? Why do you think that mindset kind of flipped? What is it actually have to do with social media or texting or like? How's that happen? You mean the uh, the Just like. No, more of the the killer instinct, right? You said it's not less competitive necessarily, but it's not like l- like you said they win,
1: they lose, they go home, they no, no, they get their Instagram posts. They yeah, they don't want to <laughs> be embarrassed. They do wanna they do want to play well. They do want to win. Don't get me wrong about that. But they don't grow up like hating each other. Like I don't, I don't know. You tell me. No, 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 that's it's so accurate. I hate Abe.
0: He's my best friend in the whole world. I hate him. I want right. he's a diehard Eagles fan. I want them to lose. I want the Sixers to lose. Yeah. I, everything I want is I love him. End of the day, but there is like it's not and it's not like outside. It's like, of when we're competing. I want him to succeed
1: because he's my best friend. But if we're facing off. Even though I, I hate him. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's, a, that's that's different now. I don't think it's like that now. Just think about the rivalry. Like, are the Lakers versus Celtics in 2010 2010- – the last time that two teams really disliked each other, I mean, I guess you could say. I think towards Cavs. the end of, I think towards
2: the end of the Cavs Warriors, like no a couple years, no Durant,
1: Once they got Durant, that thing was over.
2: Right. Yeah. No I mean, like I agree Durant. with that in a sense, but like they were playing each other year in and year out. I feel like there was some animosity, but like the Celtics. I mean, don't get me wrong. That 2010 NBA Finals was was something else, and because that's the most storied rivalry in NBA history. But I mean, I I do think that you still have teams that go at each other, maybe not. In the way that they used to, but I still think there's some level of competitive. Who okay, hates who? Yeah,
0: right I'm, I would. I agree with Scout. Like, think about Clippers Lakers. That should be one of the nastiest rivalries in the league. And that seems like a friendly, like, oh, all yeah. right, they won that game, they won that game. The Celtics and no Sixers,
1: they don't love each other. I do have a theory. I do have a theory that the team that loses to another team in the playoffs hates that team moving forward. But I, I hate feel, the Celtics. It's kind of going away. It's like, listen, I. I like the game. I love the game right now. I like the way it looks aesthetically, you know, um, but I do think I – don't, I don't know – I guess the thing that really bothers me about it is exchanging jerseys, hugging it out, like, after a 25-point loss. Like, can't you right. – like, are you, are you doing that for the gram? Can't you do that right. in the back hallway? can you – like, back in the day, if I had a friend, I'd be like, hey, I'll meet you back there. Like, I'm not going to hug it out out there. And listen, I I, I – I know things are different now, but it feels like it's a lot of show and not like and we're not seeing that that like the like we're you're supposed to be battling it out, but it doesn't feel like that anymore. Do you think that carries over into like because now we're seeing a whole
2: different era of players that aren't staying with the same team throughout their entire career and bouncing around from team to team? Are you seeing it in that sense too in free agency where guys are just teaming up with each
1: other just to just for the heck of it with these like super team era I guess you could say. I think I I don't look at it like that. I look at it like each individual player is getting what he wants out of his life. Right. I, I don't like I don't blame him for that. Like if a guy wants to live in this city versus that city and he's good enough to have the power to force trades or like tell people, hey, like, can you create uh, space for me so I can end up going there? Like, like you can use Kyrie and Kevin Durant for an example. Like, if they wanted to be in New York because it's a cool place to live, then that's cool. Like, they can do that. And I think, I think that's what not we're New seeing York. More They're than- in Brooklyn. Just to be clear, that's Jackson Knicks fan. New York isn't that a borough? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I'm just bitter that they went to Brooklyn and not the Knicks.
1: Oh although, Are you a they, are you a Knicks
0: fan? I'm, I am.
1: Oh. Like mean, at what point do you just I give up? I love the reaction to that. <laughs> it's just like, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry to hear. Like, at what point are you just like, like this is pointless? Um not yet. But don't you So
0: it's it's funny that you say that because we just had a whole discussion about how, you know, there's a lack of competitiveness, not whatever, whatever we were just talking about. I think the greatest joy in sports, is going to be if the Knicks ever do pull themselves out. Like going through those tough times Great. is part of, is, makes it all worth it at the end. Abe's an Eagles fan. They didn't win a Super Bowl for so many years, and that made that one so much spe- more special
1: versus the Patriots, who win every year.
2: Sure. In the same breath, something. in the same breath, though, Jack, go ahead,
1: Brian. Yeah, like, uh, Red Sox, Cubs, yeah. you know, just the list goes on and on, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, no doubt. I, I, I remember I was in, oh, I was there in 08 when we won the championship, and, uh, that was a so I think a, a 21 year 21 year gap so like yeah. yeah it is sweet when it does happen no doubt about it but like you have to just be like disappointed every single year because they're like kind of hovering in no no man's land <laughs> they don't they're not they don't have a plan no, for none. it's not we're gonna get bad. We're gonna get this. We're gonna, you know, save our cap space. We're gonna use it on the right guys. Like they just, like they just don't have a plan. Then they get a guy, then they fire a guy. It's just like it's just it's just like it's. I would say it's every year it's heartbreaking. You just feel like man, it's not worth it. It's like a 100%. so jack,
2: So jack. I agree. Like, but it'll feel sweet at the end if it does ever. Don't count, don't count your chickens, but. But, like, I'm a Sixers fan, and I grew up, and these past, like, seven years, I've been watching brutal, brutal basketball, but I knew what they were going to do. And now they're, like, kind of on the cusp, kind of not, where I can convince myself they have an actual chance. Falling short of expectations now hurts that much more as a Sixers fan because I I convince myself in a way that we have a chance.
1: That's because everyone ignores – a major major component in tanking you gotta pick the right guys right. you can't right. blow an entire season and then pick a guy that's not good enough you know what i mean right. like everyone right. loves sam Hankey. oh he's the greatest that's a great plan great plan great plan well he did draft three big men in a league that's going small like what are you thinking and not
0: even time? good big men a lot of the time two of them one for three one, one for three one.
1: Yeah. one for three and it's like maybe. a half for three yeah maybe it's not on the floor in the playoffs okay yeah you're not sure like I love Embiid too but you also here and I don't listen I love Embiid I worked Embiid out like that's my boy but I just I gotta keep it real with you I'm if you look at big men now and if you had to think about your money and how you spent the money on bigs, you're probably better off with the game the way it is finding highly energetic bigs and dispersing your money throughout just to have a fresh body in there at all times unless you get the big that's like completely versatile, like the Anthony Davis type or the Giannis mm-hmm. type. But outside of that, bigs that move slow, that that can't guard the perimeter, that can't switch, that can't handle the ball, that can't do like you're limited on what you can do especially when you invest big money in, into him. So right. I don't my, think my about the injury, I just think about the, the style of play. Also true.
2: My thing about the Sixers mostly is like they have they've drafted talent with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid they're just they're not putting the right team around them to succeed. And that's part of it in my opinion is they're they're, they're you don't have spacing with them like you need to build around your best players. And I give credit to the Houston Rockets and Daryl Morey who they're actually just put in all their chips and did that with Russ and James Harden. And I wish my team would actually build around its best players and kind of just like going into panic modes with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and just like going for it all at once rather than doing it the correct way.
1: I mean, yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying. But once again, you can't take faults and pass on Tatum or yep. Donovan yep. Mitchell or yep. you can't pass on Porzingis. <laughs> you can't pass on – you can't pass on – the like. Like, you can't sell to the fans, we're going to suck for five years and we're just going to keep – like, you might as well just throw darts at a board and be like, you know, (laughs) uh, this is is all going to eventually work out. You'll see. And, by the way, they got extremely lucky with Embiid. Extremely lucky. Yep. And, and by the way, that luck might turn into being a curse. Like, you might be committed to a guy that, you know, like can't move, you know, like at the rate that he needs to or can't sustain the season. I I I don't believe in that – I don't believe in that's the way you, you rebuild and you get yourself to being championship level. But right. You know, that's my opinion. Everyone has their own.
0: I tell Abe a lot of this stuff, but it's nice to hear it from someone who knows a lot about the game and sees it front, front and, row. And everywhere. that isn't a Knicks fan. Out of everyone, that isn't a Knicks fan. Oh, so true. Uh, all right, but yeah, you did win a title in 08. We're going to talk about that. But you were teammates with Kevin Garnett. Did you see the movie Uncut
1: Gems? Oh, yeah. Not only that, but I was invited to the interview. I'm sorry, invited to the what they do. They show it before it comes out. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, interview the interview, the the Safi brothers, um, Garnett and Adam Sandler. And it was great And up on stage asking them all kinds of questions about the movie, about this, about that. So I thought it was great, and then I got a chance to ask all the questions that I wanted to ask after it was uh, after it was complete. So I had a good time doing it. The movie was hilarious. How much of that stuff did he? Is that a
0: true story? Like he actually had this rock, and then he was flying. Nah. Well, at, none of it's true, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it could I mean, be true, right? Garnett's is out of his mind, isn't he? Garnett is the most intense individual. He, he, I don't know if you'll ever meet anybody like him. He cares about everyone in his on his team. He cares about going to war. He treats basketball like it's a war and a battle, right? Life or death. He. When, he, when, you, when you see him in the locker room, he's one way. When you see him on the bus or on the plane, he's another way. When you see him in the weight room or in the practice, you don't really, like, communicate, like, small talk with him. But yet he does the most small talk outside of that. Very – you know, you meet guys that are like, yeah, that dude kind of keeps to himself. Or, yeah, that dude's really focused on what he wants to do. He's a blend of every possible personality you can imagine. but And he doesn't waver. And so it's easy to be around him. Everyone says, like, is it hard to be around a guy that that's intense? No, because we know when 60 hits the clock and then, you know, at the games, I don't know if you guys know, like, it's, yeah. uh, it's 60 and then it goes 59, 59, and mm-hmm. it starts to count down to game yeah, time. Right. As soon as that clock clicks on, if I look at the clock – and it's 60, I could be like, what up KG? Like, how's the life, how's the family, all that stuff. If I look up and it's 58 on the clock, I just keep it moving. And like, it's weird to be around a guy like that, but it's not because he's so consistent. I've never met anybody That focus, that consistent with his life and his – and by the way, talk about a guy that changes – I was with the Celtics before he got there where we lost all those games in a row and and we were trying to get, you know, tanking for Greg Oden or or Kevin Durant or whatever it was. And um, and, uh, once he got there, man, I've never been a part of a guy who walks in a room and completely changes an entire building and changes everything – about the culture, about the training, about the what you eat, how you approach your game, how you work, all that stuff. Never been around a guy like that. The next guy that was closest is Jason Kidd. He was right really? there, but but not the personality was completely different. Very different personality, but completely changed the culture as well.
2: Yeah, that, that, those those Celtics teams back in like oh, 2010, they were just kind of like a staple of at least my childhood as a basketball fan. I mean, I remember this day I walked a mile to my friend's house for that the uncut gems game, the game seven in in T D Garden where Rondo was hitting those threes late in the fourth quarter. And like I'll just never forget that and then the epic showdown with the Lakers. And it it really did seem like all that changed when K when KG came, then they made the move for Pierce and Rondo. Plus you were still there, so they had the veteran leadership. Like those years out of everything in Boston.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know I will say this. We would play awful, like awful, and we'd still win games by like 15 to 17. That's when I knew, like, this is something different than I've ever been a part of. And remember, I I went to the finals two years with the Nets, played the Lakers, and then played the Spurs. But just that team was very very different than any team I've ever been on. In the past, in the future, I'll never see a group of guys like that ever again.
0: That's what I was actually going to ask. As a casual NBA fan – like, what is something that they may not know that you know that it takes, right? Like, we all think, okay, the Bucks have a chance to win the title. The Celtics, sure. Lakers, Clippers, like those, I think, are the top four. Apes, sorry about your Sixers. But we, we imagine those are the top four. What's the one actual key element in the locker room that the casual fan might not know about that it actually
1: takes to get to that championship? Yeah, and, and the Bucks have it. I think the Lakers have it. And the Clippers have it, it's probably the best player on the team and the three mm-hmm. best players in our case, they were the hardest workers. And it was not even close. As those guys would outwork us and we would not I'd play ten minutes, I'd play zero minutes. Pierce would play thirty-nine minutes and he'd be the hardest working guy in practice. Garnett would be the hardest working guy. In the weight room, getting this shot. Ray Allen would run 2.5 miles on a day off. I'm sorry, um, 2.5 miles on a on a game day. Five miles on a day off. And then he would also get his 300 shots in and get to the gym uh, three and a half hours early. So you uh, and I think the Bucks are like that, too, with Giannis. Giannis, they say, is the hardest worker. LeBron is probably the hardest worker when you factor in what he does for his body. He, it, um, when he does on his game, Kobe Bryant, back when we played against him, was the hardest work on the Lakers. So when you're best player is drive the driving force of your team. It's impossible for me to show up and not work hard. So you take that and you just add it all up. The cumulative effect of watching those guys push their bodies, uh, you know, during the games and practice, on the court, off the court, everything they did forces everybody else, not just me, but everybody on the team to be the best version of themselves. So I would say having the star... Be you know, the star not taking practice off or anything, the star being the best player who, driving the ship is what makes, in my opinion, championship teams. We heard the stories about Michael Jordan back in the day here in New England. We hear about Tom Brady and how he's the most focused, the most guy, the guy that's getting everybody. It takes the superstar athlete to be another level of a human being.
2: I'm curious, given what you just said on where you stand with God willing that the NBA does return at some point and everything does breeze over, where do you stand with the current state of the NBA? Because obviously your former coach, Doc Rivers, is coaching the Clippers out west, and that's kind of the talk of the league, Clippers-Lakers, Battle of L.A. In your mind, it's it's that one, the best player, the hardest worker. So where do you stand on the current state of the NBA with, I guess, the the Battle of L.A. and then the rest of the league in general? Can anyone challenge those two teams?
1: Well, obviously the Bucs could. And right. It will be interesting to look at, what I'm mostly interested in is how does the Bucks navigate? Like, listen, all this stuff might go, like, get thrown out, right? Like, we might mm-hmm. not have five-game series, seven-game series. We might have three-game series. but well, We don't know what the end result is going to be, but let's just say everything stood the same, right? The Bucks. it would be interesting to see how hard they have to work to get through the Eastern Conference. It, with the fact that it looks like Toronto and, and Boston will probably beat each other up and then go and play a rested Bucks team, because I'm not, like, feeling Miami or Philly – or in Indiana to challenge Milwaukee it's just they don't mm. they don't have the horses to do it they don't play a style that's conducive to mm-hmm. those guys. So I think Toronto could but not if they're beat up from the Celtics I think the Celtics could if they're not beat up from but when it comes to LA, I've never seen a team that has so many assets that I would consider able to stop LeBron Now will they stop LeBron? Probably not, but LeBron can score 30, and it could be a hard 30 where he's, like, like giving every moment and trying to conserve energy on defense, and LeBron can go out there and coast and get 30. Just look at him during his time with Miami during the Eastern Conference. There are moments when he could just, like, cruise at 60%, which is – this is not a knock on LeBron. It's actually it's, – it's a feather in his cap. He's the most dominant 60% player I have ever seen. His intelligence, (laughs) his size, his strength, his passing ability. It allows him to dominate with his mind. Watch him now when he plays at the Lakers. He'll take the ball off a make or a miss, take one dribble – on the other side of the three-point line, throw the ball up, full court, it'll go to Anthony Davis, and then keep your eye on LeBron. He'll walk, he'll, he'll jog, he'll save and conserve his energy as he's playing in the NBA and as he's dominating. So the question would just be, can he do that against the Clippers? Multiple bodies to throw at him, including Doc Rivers and Tyron Lue that absolutely know what his weaknesses are. They will continue to push at him. They will make him guard on the other end of the floor. They will... Pick him up full court and turn him, understanding that the body shots that they give him over the course of a seven game series ultimately will lead to his demise. I think that's their philosophy. Now, will he be able to do it? Man, they have the perfect guys to go against him. My guess is the Clippers will win if everything stays status quo, what it doesn't look like it's going to be. My guess is the Clippers will win because they are the perfect team with the perfect guy and the perfect coaching staff. To beat LeBron. It's a matchup
0: thing at the end of the day, which I think people don't quite understand. Like, it's not just throw the best five players on the It's about matchups, coaching. There's a ton that goes into it. All right, so just in the essence of time, we like to close with a thought-provoking question. So our Maybe question... multiples. <laughs> our question is, if we were to pull 100 people and say... And we're asking 100 people, what is the most liked thing in the world? So the thing that people most enjoy, what would be the item that would come out the closest to 100%? So we've thrown around pizza, but then we're like, all right, pizza, some people don't eat dairy. And then we throw around dogs and puppies, but some people don't like dogs, they like cats. So we have our own answers, but we're curious if on the spot you can come up with the most enjoyed thing in the world, in in the terms of positivity. Thanks. (laughs)
1: What else could there be? I mean, we forgot that one. I don't. I know you guys have the age from. You said your podcast is from 13 to 25, and listen, I get it. Like a lot of your guys are young and everything. that yeah, but there's like I don't understand why this is even a question. That's not. <laughs> this is
2: honestly, we didn't think about them. We thought about uh, money and food, but uh, I think we're gonna have to go back to the drawing
1: board with this one. Yeah, no, rich people, poor people, like it doesn't matter. That's the easy one. That's not. That's pretty solid. That's yeah. true. But if you said, like the food, I would say, yeah, that's actually really good. I think uh whatever the form of ice cream would probably be the first thing that would come to mind because in Italy there's gelato. I think everybody lo- like there's frozen custard in the <laughs> northern countries, right? I th- so I think like a frozen dessert that would be universally as a food more than pizza, but <laughs> the United States does love this pizza. So hamburgers, mm, I don't know. But if your first question, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we got to go <laughs> back right, to the well, drawing board with that one. By the way, <laughs> By the way, here we go. This is something good. Right now, obviously, we're in the quarantine, right? So nine and a half months from now, do we have an escalation in birth or do we have an escalation in divorces? (laughs) 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 I'm not sure.
2: I'm really not sure. I don't know. Probably a combine of of both, honestly. A bunch
1: of divorces and a bunch of single parents.
0: There's probably, it's probably going to be, yeah, kids nine months from now, but also they're not going to make it the nine months, so they'll be divorced
1: by the time the kid's born. I, wa- I wonder, you they're know, not- this is a big deal, this quarantine thing. I wonder if this is like, you know how there's like, what do you guys consider? You guys, um what, Generation like Z? Gen Z, Is that what you call Z, yourself? I think we're
2: Gen Z. I think we're like the, the borderline year of Gen Z and millennial.
0: I don't like millennials, though. No offense, but.
2: Well, I, yeah, they get memed meet, out the ass.
1: When you meet millennials, you don't feel, you feel like you're different. yeah. Oh, hundred, hundred percent. Yep. A hundred percent. I do not feel like you're the same as like a 30 year old. No, I'm not saying you, no. I don't know you guys that well, but yeah, for me, like young people between the age of like was it 17 that I meet and 24, they're not they're not millennials. I think it's it's, it's a drastic difference. I like I'm you guys. Comp- the we world appreciate you guys. Like, you guys believe that you can do everything and no excuses. I like <laughs> you guys a lot. Man. I like your generation. We're trying. Yeah.
0: I agree. It's funny that you say that everyone gives our generation a bad rap and sometimes it is it makes sense. Like A lot of people were out at bars this weekend from my generation. That shouldn't have been. They should have been inside protecting. But I I do think we have that mindset of, like, we can do everything on our own. We don't need anyone. We got YouTube. Like, that's all we need. True. (laughs) YouTube teaches better than most teachers nowadays, I feel like. so. I think we get a bad rep because I w- I'm not gonna I this is it's funny that you bring this up because I always stand up for us. I, I love our generation so much because I think if if you're in our generation and you work your ass off, you're gonna crush it. Because like we were just talking about, no one is that competitive anymore. Everyone's friendly, collaborating, which is a good thing. But I think if you can take those factors and then
1: work, 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 you're you, you're a hundred steps ahead of everyone else. Yeah, I. I love your guys in general. I love young players in the NBA. Like think about the young and think about it. It does line up. Like basketball is such a microcosm of life, right? We never, ever, ever seen a, like an implosion of young players impacting the game like we see right now. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, it's the physicality, it's this, it's that. I'm telling you, man, I've been around a lot of Gen Z. I really believe, like Gen Z believe that they can accomplish everything. Now. The downside to that is Gen Z <laughs> yep. feels the pressure more than other people do. They like feel like they have to succeed. Now, a lot of people can handle it. It's no big deal. And a lot of people, I think they struggle with it. But this group in particular, I'm around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I love watching Zion and Luca, Bray Young. Like this group believes that they're like, nah, we're like, we're the next group. We're the next uh, up and coming uh, group out there. So. I think you got – and I and I do believe that basketball is a microcosm of life, and, and you see it with, with with the young players out there and how much they dominate right now. I have a follow-up
0: to that. So a lot of people will say, we believe we can do anything, but we also think we know everything. Do you – being around those young players, do you see them still having a major willingness to learn from the vets, or is there some times where they just are like, we're so good, we can do
1: whatever? No, I like – listen, this is the way I work, right? I like the fact that you know everything because I want to convince you you don't. I don't right. want you just to be like, hey, whatever you say, I don't care. No, man. screw that. I want you to be like, no, nah, man, I don't believe that. I believe this. Like, you believe the Knicks are going to turn this thing around. I'm telling you they're not. And you believe <laughs> NBA in the tanking era was worth it. It was not worth it. It was not worth <laughs> it. But I love that you guys believe it because you have conviction. I'd much – listen, if I want to talk to people that are going to agree with me, I'll just talk to the mirror. I want to talk to somebody <laughs> else, man. I like, the, I like this young generation that wants to uh, uh, insert their opinion in the conversation. Now – Sometimes you get these people that like want to have an opinion over everything like hey that's that's not yeah. really me I know what I'm good at and out, outside of that I don't care but but you know, I, I like I like I'd rather talk to your generation that truly truly believes that they are right and they're going to succeed and you're just as smart as everybody else it's much It's so much more Uh, It's so much better of a conversation.
2: That's honestly what Jack and I do with this whole Snapback family because we pride ourselves that like you see all these accounts like I don't like House of Highlights, any other these big 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 basketball media accounts. We pride ourselves on that we like to answer as many DMs as we can and have these conversations with these young kids and literally debate them. Like I, I don't, I'm not afraid to tell. Uh, 15-year-old kid now when we discuss basketball because he has the right to his own opinion and so do I. But that's kind of what we like is having these conversations with our audience and really being interactive podcast
1: that's good man i like that's what i said it's a big difference you guys should make sure that you guys are not in the millennial category you are outside <laughs> of the millennial
2: that, <laughs> it, just, a team millennial just, podcast
1: yeah just say you guys should actually label your podcast as the best gen z <laughs> podcast out there i think we have I to like consider that.
0: that i think I we like have to <laughs> snap back uh, man. yeah what's the Go ahead. What's the name of your
1: podcast? The best millennial podcast? Yeah, it's good. Scow and (laughs) Pals. uh, I got Karan Butler, Kendrick Perkins, Rick Bucher, Ryan McDonough, former GM. We have Admiral, Admiral Sch- uh, Sch- uh, Schofield that plays for the Washington Wizards. Okay. So we yeah. just bring in like different perspectives all the time. And we just want to hear like from these guys, the Karan Butler, NBA champ, Rick Bucher, is the NBA Lightner, former GM Ryan McDonough. And we do it because, like, listen, I'm like, I don't know how you guys feel, but like I don't have all the answers. I, I want to throw my opinions to them and see what they have to say, and, and sometimes it sparks great debate. One of our best guests is Kendrick Perkins. Obviously, he's well-known. He's crushing Twitter it right person. now. Yeah, so he's we killed, love having yeah. Perk on. So uh, You can find it on the radio.com, so those radio.com supporters.gall or radio.com app or where you can find all your podcasts. Just type in. Scout and pals or Scal it'll probably come okay
0: up. all right cool well all right, cool. we were in contact with quran's manager today about him coming on so if you you tell him it's we're not the worst and tell him we're gen zers i don't know how he yeah, feels gen z, about z, Gen best zers. podcast
1: best gen z podcast <laughs> there you
0: go <laughs> thank you Scout, for joining us we really appreciate the time find him on the radio.com app or at radio.com best of luck to you stay safe out there cross those
2: uh lists off Let's get that ring. Let's get that ring this summer, Big Three. Let's get another uh, ring to the
1: jewelry cabinet. Uh, ring. I just l- listen, dude. I'm <laughs> like the Knicks. I'm just trying to be relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Too much <laughs> irritated on you this know, side. Come though. on, dude. Not everyone is championship worthy here. I'm not like a Gen Z. Like I know exactly where I'm at. I don't believe that if I just will it I can I can make it happen. I got a lot of things going against me. All I want to do is make the playoffs. <laughs> just try to build
2: that table, right? Nah, that build that table you're working make on right the playoffs.
1: now. You gotta see <laughs> that I, before I got on the podcast I was stretching and I was working on all this mobility so I don't get hurt. <laughs> So you didn't get hurt for the podcast or for the big (laughs) No, I'm I'm getting ready to make the playoffs. I want to make the playoffs, so I got to make sacrifices. (laughs) That's unbelievable. All
0: right, Snapback fam, we'll catch you next time. But thank you guys for listening in. Make sure to rate five stars, subscribe, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thanks.